Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast, brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director, and we have a great show in store for everyone today. Coming up in just a few minutes, American Strategies CEO Joe Good details their latest insights and poll numbers on how voters feel about the safety and integrity of our upcoming elections. Stick around and you will learn everything you need to know to move forward with your Get Out the Vote activities. Then we'll get into best practices with Megan Joyce of International Paper as she provides insights about her IP Vote Safely toolkit and other best practices. But first, I'm joined as always by notable NABPACer Abigail Cave. Proud to serve. And Adam Belmar from EFB Advocacy, EFB Studio. It's podcast time. And just in case you stumbled into the wrong podcast today, a little housekeeping here. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business PACs. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence, best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. So guys, big news in our world this week. The FEC is finally back to fighting weight, at least for now. Yeah, Michaela, on Tuesday, May 19th, the Senate confirmed President Trump's nominee, Texas lawyer James Trey Trainer III, to the Federal Election Commission. This is the first time since August of 2019 that the commission has had enough members to actually function. Hashtag fact, it takes a minimum of four votes for the commission to take enforcement action. So even with Trainer, the FEC will need to be unanimous to act. Thanks, Abigail. It was certainly a big week. We've been waiting a long time for this appointment, and we can't get too excited because we understand that Trainer won't likely be sworn in until mid to late June. We understand he needs to wrap up a few things in Texas before he can get settled into this new position, but we do know that the commission is very eager to begin tackling their backlog of more than 350 enforcement matters that are awaiting the commission's attention right now. We also know that there are still two openings that still need to be filled by the FEC. So how much they will be able to accomplish remains to be seen. Well, you know, in the age of coronavirus, we continually hear about the things that don't get done, where we don't have people that the president's nominated get confirmed, and we have important parts of our government that are stagnated. And I say, even as we hear about the president taking up questions about the propriety of balloting people by mail, and all of the issues surrounding virtual fundraising. This is really important. And I think voters on both sides of the aisle are going to be expressly unhappy. We had an election that had security issues last time around. Now we're in crisis. And all I can say is these guys need to be able to do their work. Michaela, this predates my time in the PAC world. But when was the last time the FEC commission had a full bench? That's a great question, Abigail. It's actually been since March of 2017. So it has been several years since the commission really has been operating at full capacity. And even those of us in the PAC community have really noticed a big change in our ability to get answers quickly from the commission. Advisory opinions are slowed down. I mean, just everything that the FEC does has just been completely changed since March of 2017. So this is without a doubt an important step. And I hope we don't have a step back because now that they've reached their fighting weight, anybody drops off this panel and they go back into purgatory, no enforcement actions, no nothing. Something for all of us in the PAC community to keep our eye on, Michaela. Absolutely. And I think if you look at their terms, several of the current commissioners are actually already on expired terms. So I think that 
more remains to be seen on changes to the commission in the coming weeks and months ahead. Well, with that, we have a great show today. Uh, this week, we had the opportunity to host a webinar with Joe Good, CEO of American Strategies, who recently conducted a very insightful poll on COVID-19 and the impacts on voting in the 2020 election. Uh, we're thrilled to have Joe with us on our podcast today to give us a high-level overview of the findings of this poll and what this all means for us in the PAC and grassroots community. So, Joe, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Michaela. As our members are shifting gears a little bit and focusing their communication efforts on the elections and their get-out-the-vote programs, clearly COVID-19 is having a dramatic impact on the electric's view on being able to vote in a safe environment. As we talked about, you recently conducted a survey on this very topic. Tell us about your survey and what the key takeaways were for our members and our listeners. As much as we all wish this virus would go away and things would get back to normal, that's probably not where we are. And in our poll, which was done at the beginning of April, so it's about a month old, we had about 74% of people saying they were very or somewhat concerned about contracting the virus. That number in most public polls now has gone down to around 67%. But there was an interesting poll from PBS NPR that came out just this morning where fully 65% of adults nationally think that it's going to take six months or longer before daily life gets back to normal. So when we think about those kinds of numbers, it's very clear that we're going to go through the remainder of the primary season and the general election with this being a very top of mind concern for voters. And in our poll, when we changed the conversation to asking people to think about the elections, voters were very concerned about the virus's impact on turnout. 68% think that the virus is gonna have a very big or a fairly big impact on how people turn out, whether people turn out to vote in November or even in their primary elections. And when we brought it down to kind of the micro level and we asked whether they were concerned if they or someone in their family might catch the virus while voting, 46% said that they were very or somewhat concerned about potentially catching the virus while voting at the place where they usually cast their ballot. So I think when you add all that up, there's going to be a big demand among voters. These concerns are going to make people looking for reforms. And in fact, I think demanding reforms from their state and local board of election. What we found was that there's generally very broad acceptance to most kinds of reforms that have been suggested that are out there in the public sphere. Those are things like making sure that polling stations conform with CDC guidelines on sanitation. 90% of voters agree with that. Another thing that has very broad acceptance is increasing the number of polling places to uh, minimize lines. So perhaps, you know, not just your neighborhood school, having another school cafeteria available for voting. That has very broad acceptance among the voting public. And then finally, almost 80% of voters approve expanding access to early voting. But it is indicative of how much voters, Democrats, Republicans, independents, are looking for alternatives to having to go vote on election day. 50% of adults said that if they had the option to vote by mail, that's the way they would prefer to vote uh, in this election. Our poll had support for, for vote, expanding vote by mail at 74%, uh, with 57% strongly supporting it. So there's a lot of support for those kinds of reforms, and uh, people are, are open to, to lots of things. While a lot of our voters may like to see all of this take place, I think the reality 
between now and the next five months and implementing a lot of these new alternatives are probably not very likely. I think expanding the early voting and certainly having additional poll workers on staff, those are all things that they can easily implement between now and election day. Switching gears just a little bit, as we know, the elections are going to happen one way or the other come November. Based on this poll that you did, what recommendations do you have for our members about these concerns as they talk to their employees, as they talk to their member companies about engaging them and getting out to vote? You want to help your employees find trusted sources of information. I think in the end, you want to be that trusted source of information. One way to do that is by providing ways to find information about the candidates, finding information about issues if if your PAC or if your organization is uh, specifically focused on a certain kind of issues. This is all going to be about education. And in the kind of hyper-partisan environment that we're in right now, voters are looking for what I call validators to know that, hey, here's a good place to learn about an issue. Here's a good place to learn about a candidate. Or in this case, when we're talking about voting reforms, where do I go to find out if I can vote early? How do I apply for an absentee ballot if that's available to me? I think it's a great opportunity for you to work on education and want to be that trusted source. And as you all know, to be a trusted source, you got to start the dialogue early. And I think that's never too early to start talking to your members about these issues, providing these kinds of go to your Secretary of State website, provide that website address so that people know where to go. Joe, I want to thank you so much for your time today on our podcast, also for being on our webinar this week. And for our listeners and NAPAC members, you can download the full webinar recording at NAPAC.org, as well as the presentation slides from Joe's webinar. Thank you for having me. Our next guest on the podcast, Megan Joyce, Senior Manager from Political and advocacy strategy over at International Paper, and she oversees their PAC, Grassroots and Digital Advocacy. She's also on our NAPAC Board of Directors as our second vice president. Immediately after Joe's webinar, she sent us the IP Vote Safely Toolkit, and so we're really excited to have the opportunity to hear a little bit about that toolkit and the feedback you're getting from your employees. 2020, we started off the year thinking, wow, you know, big presidential election year, big congressional election year, with you know, encouraging our employees to participate in elections by voting and getting registered, learning about candidates and issues is nothing new to us. We've been encouraging our employees and their families to participate in elections for over a decade. We had a plan in place already for 2020. We launched our 2020 Voter Vision campaign in January ahead of the first primary elections. We have employees in 34 states across the country, and so they're all operating on different schedules where there's presidential primaries that are on the same day. There's states that hold a different presidential primary and a different congressional primary. So we communicate that information on a state-by-state basis to our employees. So when COVID-19 happened and, you know, we hit mid-March, you know, it was a natural for us to work safe voting into our election communications plan because at International Paper, safety is a core value. We're a manufacturing company and operating safely is our number one priority every single day. So it was a natural pivot for us to just work that safety message into our plan. And so, you know, we never are going to tell our employees how to vote or who to vote for, but we want to provide the resources and make sure they have access to the resources that they can make informed decisions and know what um, the best recommendations are um, for safe voting. So whether that's voting by mail, 
um, voting early, you know, going at off-peak times. We're providing all of that information to our employees so that they can make the best informed decision. Megan, it's been two months since our worlds have changed due to COVID. What other strategies have you all been implementing to keep your PAC members engaged? Well, you know, when this uh, all hit, uh, we were in the middle of our PAC campaign. We launched our uh, 2020 PAC membership campaign on March 2nd. And in fact, we had um, just finished a very successful in-person 250 people um, PAC kickoff event at our headquarters in Memphis. You know, we had 125 uh, new members join within the first two weeks and then things came to a screeching halt. And so we really had to rethink how we were going to communicate with our our members, our, our eligible employee base. And we turned to our PAC board for guidance there. And, you know, should we continue the campaign? Should we take a break? And so our board advised us, let's take a break. We talked through it. Let's put it, take a time out on the campaign and let's shift our focus on our PAC match program. You know, we have a robust PAC charitable matching program. And so we were able to focus those efforts in April to make a $500,000 charitable matching donation as a result of our 950 PAC donors who are enrolled in the program to the American Red Cross, Feeding America, and the Mid-South Food Bank. So that's been a big shift in focusing and highlighting that great member benefit. Similarly, we're looking at ways moving forward where we can engage our members. So our PAC's 44th birthday is coming up in July, and we're looking at a way to, again, keep our donors engaged and remind them that they're the value of their PAC membership. And so we're looking at uh, sending out a birthday card as a thank you to our, our donors and offering them some PAC-branded face masks and hand sanitizers branded with the IP PAC. So as, as I said, safety is our number one priority, and we want to be able to thank our, our donors and keep the PAC front and center for them. It's amazing. Yeah, you just have such a great program. You run just a top-notch effort. I mean, talk about in the middle of the COVID-19 and kicking off your PAC solicitation, being able to switch gears so quickly and continuing to provide that value add to your, your PAC members is truly incredible. I'm curious, you know, with your IPVOTE toolkit and some of the other communications you've been pushing out, what has the response been from your employees? The feedback was just was great. A lot of great notes from members saying, expressing their pride in being a part of this program and how our company has been a part of the essential workforce and the supply chain helping to get food, pharmaceuticals, health and hygiene products to stores and to the front line. So our, our employees are feeling a lot of pride right now and you know that we're all in this together. So we the response has been been really positive. You know, I look forward. We're, we're having our board together um, in a few weeks here, our PAC board, and we're going to you know the top item of discussion is when do we restart, kind of reboot our campaign and finish it out. And I know that our board wants to finish it out, finish it out strong. And I'm hopeful that that uh, we'll be looking at an August timeframe for that. Well, for our listeners and for our NAPAC members, if you have not reached out to Megan Joyce at International Paper to structure your program similarly, Megan, I hope you don't mind me encouraging that, but you really are doing a great job and your employees are so lucky to have you providing all of this great information to them. Happy to share. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been encouraging our members to reach out to candidates and their fundraisers to find ways to move forward and support key champions. NAPAC's doing the same and has begun to host our policy series with a lot of great success. I know you've already participated in a couple virtual fundraisers and town halls. How have those events gone? 
And are there any lessons you can share with us? You know, I think the policymakers series that NAPAC has been doing has just been fantastic. I've participated in, I think, all of the ones that we've had, and I, I encourage and look forward to the next the next one. You know, as we all move into this new but yet becoming quickly familiar territory of virtual events, you know, we did our first we hosted our first industry virtual fundraiser for one of our industry champions earlier this month. And it was, there was some apprehension from some of our um, colleagues about, you know, is this the right thing to do? You know, trying to just the, the uncertainty of this new format. We proceeded with it and it was just a great, great event. It felt more, almost more intimate than some of the in-person roundtables that you have, or maybe not everyone gets the chance to to have an interaction with the with the member of Congress. And so the feedback was extremely positive. So we're looking to do more of those with our industry partners and our team is getting more and more comfortable with the virtual events. One of the things as part of our advocacy efforts is we, as a company, we spend a lot of time inviting legislators into our plants and our mills to see our facilities, learn more about what we do and meet our people. And obviously that's gonna change um, in current situations. So we're currently thinking through how do we still make those connections and provide those connections with our plant managers and our mill managers and our elected officials? And so we're looking and we're, we're in the middle of putting together a plan for connecting those through virtual meetings and just, you know, still being able to help our plants share their story and tell about the great work they've been doing to help support the COVID-19 relief and, and some of the great charitable work that we're doing in our communities as well. So that's something that's new and different for us. And we're looking to roll that out over, over the next few months. Well, Megan, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your leadership within the PAC community, but also within NABPAC. We are so proud to have you on our board of directors. I uh, want to just switch gears a little bit and thank all of our NABPAC listeners and everyone who is finding this show valuable. We want everyone to know the facts about PACs. And until next week, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.